tradies and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SENZ. Yes, a very good afternoon and welcome into the Rugby Run. No Ricardo Ball, no Justin Marshall. In fact, they've got the dream team of Mark Watson and Steve Devine, two very good-looking men in a very platonic way. Ben will say it because no one else will. As we talk all things rugby over the next two hours, we talk and put a lot of emphasis on super rugby. The telephone number is 0800 150 uh, If you do want to join the show, we'd love to have you join the show, talk about what you've observed. If you've got questions for Steve, feel free. You can text us, of course, here on double eight double three. 12.30 this afternoon, we'll catch up with Sir John Kerwin, part of the commentary team last night, as the Blues did a demolition on the Waratahs. But we'll just get thoughts, too, from JK across some of the wider rugby issues as well. Steve Devine, good afternoon. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me again. We spoke last week on Blues Brothers on Wednesday night, and you felt that it was time for the Blues to make a statement performance against the Waratahs. Was that the statement you were looking for? I think they definitely tried to play a little bit more rugby uh, than they have in previous matches. Uh, their, their ambition to score a lot of points last night was there. They didn't quite get some, but uh, there was certainly a lot of running, and they, they tried from um, long range again, which was which is good to see. You know, they put 50 on the Tars. They should have probably put 50 on the Tars. So, um, you know, I was reasonably happy with, with their intent to, to try and score tries. When you get such dominance against the side, I mean, it's, it's easy to sit here and go, well, it could have been better. It could have been 50 or 60. But how hard is it to hold your shape when that opposition is a little bit, they're on the back foot? I mean, intuitively, you are going to get guys who are going to probably tend to go on their own a little bit more. Yeah, they certainly... Uh, made opportunities, right? Some of those opportunities weren't finished or, you know, there was some bad decision-making options towards the end of um, some of those. But, yeah, there certainly opportunities were made to score a lot more tries. So that that was good to see. As long as, you know, as long as the intent's there for me and as long as they're trying to, you know, push their game along, I thought their ruck, their ruck ball was pretty good. They looked after their pill pretty well. They, they played long periods in the 22, which was good in the Waratahs half. And I started to see, you know, it wasn't just this one-off runner type men. You know, there were there were little pop passes, there were second man plays and stuff. It was, uh, you know, I'm starting to I'm starting to like it. Bodie Barrett was good. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that Bowden Barrett because you were pretty impressed against him in that second half. I think it was against the Rebels in Melbourne, uh, where you'd been a little bit critical. You felt that he needed to run a little bit more at the line. Did we see him follow on from that game a couple of weeks ago? Are we now starting to see. Bowden Barrett coming into his own, and what made him so good last night? Yeah, I think he's he's starting to we're starting to see you know start the old the old body Barrett, which everyone wants to see. We, uh, you know, he, again he started to take he really controlled the match in terms of playing playing where they wanted to play, which is in the Waratahs half. They spent long periods in their half, and you know. 
Um, it was pretty, pretty some pretty good defence by the Waratahs to you know keep them out a lot of the time. But yeah, no, he he was he was solid. He was um, he was back to his best. He ran. He um, he dropped back into fullback on defence a few times and ran it back, which was good to see. Make some some good distance. One with Caleb Plapp up the left hand touch and. You know he did. He, yeah, he, he's he's coming back. Uh, if he keeps improving on those performances, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see a pretty good Barry Bodie by the end of the season. I'm I'm sure. Okay, we were talking just in studio earlier about Caleb Clark and wondering whether or not he'd make the World Cup squad because you know I think there's been some major defensive issues. You sort of suggested that maybe in previous weeks he hasn't been busy enough that he's sort of just been sitting out there on the wing, which is maybe the way the game was played 30 years ago now you've got to be everywhere you were happy with the way you played last night yeah a lot of touches last night a lot of carries a lot of good meters uh he's probably the best in the country at taking the ball above his head um for those high kicks so you know i i just thought he'd been pretty quiet the last few weeks last few matches um because they had a bye just just didn't really the ball didn't find him and I, I think in the modern game the winger needs to find the ball the All Blacks uh, they don't mind playing centres on the wing because um, it helps where they carry it helps them get out of the advantage line so yeah I just he needs to be he just needs to keep busy and um, you know he did that last night I thought he was pretty good Is the most underrated player in Super Rugby Harry Plummer? Yeah, I, I mean Harry. Harry last night I, again. He's he's not a big kid, right? And, he, and he's, they're playing him in a big kid position. They give him the ball straight off the scrum to run into you know two or three people, and um, a couple of times off the kickoff, even they just throw him the ball and he truck it up into into a wall. And um, not the biggest kid, but cheap as he uh, he rumbled last night. Um, good good throw, good passing ability, um, good good footballer's brain. So. He was pretty outstanding, I thought, in that 12 position. Really sort of, you know, he's been there for a few weeks now and um, starting to find his feet there. I, I thought he was pretty good. I'd, I'd love to see them, um, you know, run a few options with wingers in and around him when he takes the ball into contact just to so he's not running into three people. Um, but, you know, they're getting there. Slowly. Yeah, and I guess that's an evolution because he's sort of only just coming back into the starting lineup, isn't he, Harry Plummer? It's not like he started consistently every week. Yeah, well, he's had two horrific... Um, shoulder operations and and then also he picked up a little um um anomaly with his heart so he's had a little heart operation in the last um sort of six months to put his heart back into rhythm so um he's, he's sort of just found his feet just got back into the team and um, he's had sort of three games in a row now and starting to look good in that 12 jumper okay the way the blues played last night was it a shift in the way it was was it a shift last night structurally and strategically was it a big shift in terms of the way they've been playing in previous rounds no I think that they've tried to sort of continue on where they've gone um which I'll just get you to explain so to I just like listening. I think um let's start let's start at the breakdown they were they were pretty good at looking after their ball um there wasn't the Waratahs didn't have any renowned fetches um with uh Hooper being out um Charlie Gamble came on to late in the second half. He didn't. He didn't get any steals. You normally, you normally throw him down for a couple. Um, yeah. So you know, breakdown wise, I think it was a par. Their scrum was good. So you know, that's a, the line out was outstanding last night. I think that's the best. That's the best line out performance the Blues have put together this year by by a long way. So um, so the the improvements are there. The the one thing for me, I'd really like to see still. I'd like to see a little bit more deception at the line rather than just trying to run. A little guy, Harry Plummer, into a brick wall. Just a little bit more deception and make it a one-on-one tackle um, for me. And and the other thing, um, yeah, just 
the, the amount of times that a player took the ball at top speed and ran into contact was, I'd, I'd probably say none. Um, particularly the backs, I just, I, I think we're too flat. Um, we're waiting for the ball. We're getting the ball at half pace and running into contact. I just, you know, I look at the Chiefs and what they're doing, and they're just catching the ball at full noise, and and it's just harder for the defence. I'd love to see that. Like I would say, Rico Ioane full pace last night, ball into contact at full pace. I'd say zero times. So is that a coaching instruction to be that flat, or I mean, who primarily yeah. controls the depth of the backline on the field? I mean, you can go out there and say, hey, this is the way we want to play it. Sometimes the opposition's onto it, so therefore you've got to go to a plan B. Who calls plan B? Yeah, I, I just think they're they're persisting with a sort of like a flat attack, which um, you know, the, even the forwards when they roll around the corner, they get in position and they stand still and they wait for the ball, they get the ball, and then they try and truck it into a defensive line. You know, you look at some of the other teams, the Brumbies are very good at it. Uh, the Chiefs have been very good at it. They're rolling around the corner, they're hitting the ball at full noise, and they're carrying it into contact hard. And I just think that's the one part of the game where we're probably not as good as we should be or could be, and I, I think if we did change that, we'd be, we'd be very hard to stop. Okay, concern over Stephen Perifetta. They're saying a dislocated shoulder, but I've got to say, and I... The Blues looked more potent when Zahn Sullivan was on. Yeah, Zahn came on with sort of um, in that first half. He would tend to go in the first half. Left boot too, oh, wasn't he? He was. Uh, yeah, he played. He had a great game last night. He carried just carried like like I said. He carried the ball hard mm. with 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 pace and um, scored two tries just just by doing that. You know, just carrying the ball hard and. That's where, like, imagine if it was Rico carrying the ball that hard into contact. You know, you you, you wouldn't stop him. So I just that's that's for me and and some of these loose forwards they catch the ball standing still and then try to make impact. I just that's the one part of the game that I'm looking at that I think if they if they can just get better there, um, and and Zan showed exactly that. If you just can carry hard into contact, you you know they they're bigger and better than than the Aussie teams and. That's where they can go. We've talked about Harry Plummer. We've got a, now an injury to Stephen Perifetta. He's going to be out. So you'd imagine that Zahn Sullivan naturally then comes into fullback. Your backup first five, is that going to be Jock McKenzie or is your backup first five Plummer? And then what does that mean in regards to Plummer at second five eight going forward? Yeah, well, I think I think Rogers will be pretty close. Um, he's got a... He's just had a broken hand. He's probably had four weeks now, five weeks-ish. So I imagine he'd be pretty close to 12. Um, Harry Plummer, Roger off the bench. Harry can go to 10 as well. Zun Sullivan can play 10. Um, he grew up schoolboy rugby, was all 10. So I think he's the long-term 10 for the Blues. So that's an option. Um, uh, yeah, they, they, should be, they should be all right with Perifetta. But another injury at 10 could sort of start to prove a, a few issues. 11 minutes after 12, you are listening to SENZ. This is the Rugby Run. Mark Watson alongside of me, former All Black halfback Steve Devine. We are taking your calls on 0800 150811. We're going to catch up with Sir John Kerwin around about 12.30 this afternoon. You can text the programme here too on 8833. Text that's come in from Anthony. Hi, Wado and Steve uh, and JK to do the All Blacks need to pick their top 15 or now 23 players to play all the tests of the World Cup. Yeah, I, I, I think I was thinking about this on the way uh, on the drive in today. That um, yeah, the All Blacks they, they there's not a lot of games for them this no, year. You can't afford three, to, four. You can't do any more rest in rotating, mate. No, nah, I think they got to they got to decide who it's going to be. Particularly in the centres, uh, I'd say Geordie's definitely going to be twelve. They um, 
Uh, Rico Rico at thirteen. Um, Anton Leonard Brown depends how he gets back at at thirteen. There's there's probably the mm. two best in the country. So yeah, I, I there's there's definitely. Uh, yeah, we'll have that discussion too because Steve and I have an interesting discussion of where um, the likes of um, Jack Goodyear might fit into the mix if in fact he does make the World Cup squad. So we might just save that discussion for after one o'clock because a few people might, out there might want to sort of add their thoughts in on that as well. Uh, Dean, good afternoon. He does make the World Cup squad. Hey guys, how are you? Save that just turn your radio down months. if you can, Dean. Mate, I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> There you go. That's Throw it out the window. No, no, it's a truck. It's some stupid car phone thing on the truck. But anyway, we got rid of that going in the door. So um, you're talking about the 23 for the world. It might not be different to a lot of people's, but I would absolutely. I, I remember the baby blacks when we had the Cavaliers, and I reckon the all blacks never looked back from there. And I reckon we're just about at the same crossroads, to be fair. We've got players to burn. And I reckon we just hang on to the odd one just that little bit too long. Yeah, look, I think it's that balance, isn't it, between youthful exuberance and that experience. And I agree. I just think it's too late now to adopt that sort of baby blacks mentality. I think if you're going to do it, you're probably going to do it a couple of years ago. And some people will say it has been done, but we just lack the depth. Well, I don't I don't think we lack the depth at all. What amazes me is down here in Highlander country, we can't get anything that's really, really decent in the midfield. And then I watched the Chiefs on um, Friday night, caught the last of that, second half of that game. And uh, the wee, the boy, uh, not we, Rona, plays some concrete. He would look real good outside, starting for us 13, week after week after week after week after week, outside uh, Umanga Jensen. But we haven't got anyone. We got, what we have got is injured. And we just don't have, and even on the wing, he'd be better than what we've got on the wing. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think the Moana Pacifica team, being based in Auckland, um, has really thinned out um, a lot of the super teams, into, especially when it comes to injury time. Because a lot of those, the Moana team, that they they were sort of the leftovers that all got picked up and put in a team, and and they would normally be our reserves across across a lot of the team. So they've certainly thinned us out and, you know, Levi Amua would, would probably be playing at 13 for the Highlanders if, if he wasn't, if there wasn't a Moana team, if you know what I mean. So Yeah, yeah Dean, I, 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 Dean, I'll get your thoughts on this, Steve, uh, as well, because it's something I asked Peter Alatini on Monday night. But you do look at it, you look at some teams and they're so stacked and you've got so many great players that are sitting on the bench or in the wider squad. Do we need to end up having um, basically a draft here where the Super Rugby sides name their 25 players, everything else then goes into pool and then it's based on a draft system. It, it used to well, work. I com- Sorry, you, you go. Uh, honestly, uh, the Armour thing is classic because I said it last week that the NZRFU own the players. No franchise owns anyone. The NZRFU own the whole lot. So the Oh, the other one is a classic. Stephen Pirafita for me, I love that kid, at 10. I, I don't want to see him going to A&E at fullback. It's not and a Bowden Barrett's lucky he's still playing because if, if Pocchiaho didn't fall over, Bowden was totally in the wrong place. He was going to A&E <laughs> if, if he didn't fall over because he couldn't get his head anywhere where it needed to do to try and... He's never going to stop the try. He was just going to get hurt. And Stephen should be at the Hurricanes, in my opinion. Like, it's like, why isn't he playing 10? Sullivan is an outstanding fullback. 
it's all mixed up. We've got benches with players and people in grandstands and tracksuits, and there's other teams in the same competition can't field a team. Yeah, it, it, so back in the day when I was playing, it used to be a bit of a draft that you'd pick your, your top 30 and then everyone else went into the yep. pool and, and people who didn't pick 30 had first dibs on, on that pool. And now that the franchises, they all contract players, so I think they're allowed to, con- yeah. to contract as many players for as long as they want. So you look at teams like the Crusaders who are still, you know, there's still guys down there that haven't, you know, the Crusaders have, haven't been the Crusaders of old, but they've they've been fielding teams and they've been winning with these kids. But there's, yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot of people to come back oh, and there's look, a lot of holes I, I, in the system. I just think for the depth of the competition, what is the point of having Moana Pacifica here if they're only ever going to have the scraps, if they're not going to have a feeder team that can feed them? You know, you, you're right. I mean, Stephen Perifeta, he's a first 5'8", but we're playing him at fullback in a franchise that appears to have some pretty good depth at both fullback. And also, when you do look at the likes of Jock McKenzie and you do look at the likes of um, uh, Harry Plummer, etc., that maybe we do just need to spread the love a little bit more. We will take a break. It is 17 minutes after 12. Thanks, Dean. And keen to get your thoughts on that, you can text us here on double eight double three. We're not just talking blues. We are going to go right across all Super Rugby franchises. Big question for me, um, genuine question for me too, that I do want to put out there. Clark Dermody, coach of the Highlanders, does he need to fall on a sword? Clearly something is not going right. On paper, not a bad side. You can't get rid of sack 23 players, but you can sack a coach. We've seen it done overseas. Is he the right guy? I'll ask that question a little bit later as well. 17 and a half minutes after 12, you are listening to SENZ. The Run Home on SENZ. And special thanks to Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. For over 40 years, Kubota have been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building New Zealand together. So do, if they are part of a future purchasing Decision, please go with the brands that support the station. We are talking rugby for the next two hours. The telephone number is 0800 150 You can text us here on 8833. Mark Watson alongside of me, Steve Devine. Sir John Kerwin, not too far away. Text that's come in from Ken. He says, Mark and Steve, unsung hero for the Blues, Adrian Choate. He doesn't let you down and was impressed with Akira when he came off the bench. So let's talk about those two players. Yep, I had uh, Adrian Choate down as maybe one of my... Um Plays off the match last night. He he man, he can tackle. He loves it. He just loves being physical. He'll run into he'll run into a brick wall and he'll tackle anything that moves and he'll then get up and try and tackle the next thing that moves. He's he's a he's a beast. I I I'd just like if I could pick any skill on him, I'd just like to maybe just a, if he could uh, grab a few more turnovers at the ruck. If he could put just a little bit more pressure on that ball defensively, I think uh, I think he'd be one of our one of complete our complete players. Yeah, mm. that's just probably as a seven. Uh, it's just probably that one area where he's just maybe not quite there up there with the best of sevens, just being able to pull for the ball a little bit, but not taking anything yeah. away from him. He he will. I tell you what, if you if you're playing on heart, he's 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 my man. How big a difference has Sam Tui Piloto made? Uh, sorry, Tui Piloto made in terms of coming into this side and also the locking combination of him and Sam Dowry. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick Tuipolo, my yeah, apologies. Patrick Patrick was big last night. Um he, he's just a like he's a big body, right? He can he can run through a line and get over the other side and 
and um, and get you on the front foot. So he's a big body. He, I mean, our line out last night was the best it's been. We've mentioned that, and um, you know he's a big part of that. Him being back, having two specialist um, locks back in the game. Um, kickoffs improved. Kickoff receipt. You know we got we got them up in the air when we needed to, and we took them cleanly and got out of our territory. So you know s- some real big facets of the game that when you've got a couple of you know a couple of locks on par, then then things get a whole lot easier. And and we're starting to look like that. And our ruck ball was good and line out was good scrum was good so you know it's good to have those boys back definitely it's it's made a difference in the in the front foot um go forward of of the pack with uh with patrick back in the middle and backed up by you know sam who's been playing pretty pretty well the last few weeks as well already a lot, a lot of injuries to the front row for the blues uh, alex hodgman being one of them last night nepo Lalala picking up a calf injury leo mcdonald's come out and said it looks serious how big a concern how much depth do the blues have in regards to props, um, yeah, the, the lay boys have been doing a pretty good job, but yeah, that's a um, Nepo's a he's a big boy, he's a big frame, he's very, very, very good at what he does. So uh, he will be missed, and when there's already a few others that are down in the front row stocks, things get pretty thin pretty quickly. But they they got some talent there still to come. I mean, this this the scrum was still pretty solid. I know the. The lay boys can can scrummage very well, so you know that's just um, what well, they're they're lucky. They've had a few front row, you know. They've got some they've got some depth in the front row. So if you, if I'm sure at the start of the season, if they said we're going to lose a couple of props, then then maybe that was a position to do it because we we are pretty strong there. Telephone numbers oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. As I've said, we will look and reflect on the Highlanders' poor performance against the Western Force. Not an easy place to travel to. We shouldn't take anything away from the Western Force, a side that are structured, um, a side that are very capable at home of tipping up the best sides. But for the Highlanders, well, just a lack of discipline. And let's be honest, it was arguably one of their worst performances. Yeah, it was just straight discipline, right? That The the second quarter of the first half, um, they were woeful. They just gave penalties away. They had um, two people in the bin at one stage and... You know they were down twenty four three at half time, and uh, came back to the end score was um, you know thirty seventeen, and and with um, twenty minutes to play it was twenty four twenty seventeen. So they they had they had they got themselves back into the game, and and then they threw it away again through a bit of ill discipline and just not being able to finish. They they got held up over the line. You know that that's a big play in today's game. It used to be a five meter scrum, and and now it's a twenty two dropout, and you're back on your halfway. With the sorry, with the yellow cards justified or was this a case of the New Zealand side getting on the wrong side of an Australian referee who interprets things slightly differently? It was just they were pretty ruthless. Um, I know um, the captain at one stage was like you didn't give us a warning and he sent someone to the bin and then it was just someone else to the bin and they were, you know they were camped in their own 22 and um, two men down and, and then I think they end up um, letting a try in, they got a penalty try, and then another man in the bin. You know, so it was just, you know, sometimes you just best to, you know, relieve the pressure by letting them have, you know, a try, not letting them have it. But like, if they get a try, it's not the end of the world when you're two men in the bin. You know, you, but staying down on your line, trying to defend with your heart out, and giving penalties away where you, you keep getting people put into the bin, it's it's it sort of is an injustice to yourself. Yeah, you catch twenty two. You should have just give them the try and be back up the other end and and, not, and only have one person off. Twenty seven and a half minutes after twelve, we're going to take another break here on SENZ. When we come back, Sir John Kerwin on the program, we will get his thoughts on a number of those issues from this round of Super Rugby. Uh, we will focus as well on the Chiefs, the Crusaders, are both having good victories over the weekend as well. 
Right, that must be us, Mark Watson, alongside of me, Steve Devine. Now, great pleasure to have us join on the programme, one of the greatest All Blacks, one of the great, bl- uh, I was going to say bluesmen, certainly one of the great Aucklanders, and Sir John Coo and JK, welcome. Hello. Yeah, very well, thank you. I've got a very good-looking man. He re- rated himself as a halfback, Steve Devine, alongside of me. Yeah, like, mate, he's a good-looking man, but you know, you know what halfbacks are like, just a pain in the butt, mate. Has he been yapping all morning? Ordering you around, telling you what to do. That's a bit harsh, Sir John. Not in uh, not in my day when me and you teamed up in the Blues. We I wasn't that yappy, was I? Yeah, mate, you were yappy. <laughs> but it was part of your job spec, to be fair. Yeah, I was encouraged. You encouraged me, actually. So, exactly, ma- mate. The ma- number nine is so important. You know, jokes aside, the number nine is so important for, to be the eyes and ears of, especially the front eight and connection with the backs you know people probably don't realize that um you know between the between the big men and the and the fast men you've got to have someone who connects them you yeah. with such emphasis these days placed on ruck speed and that ability for that second and third phase and quick ball they've got to be fit the halfbacks these days don't they i mean they're pretty much on their toes the whole time yeah we've got a few in form and a few coming i reckon as well i mean stevie would be a better judge than me but i like what i see around you know, obviously, Aaron Smith is the old general, but, you know, Finn Christie's playing well. Um, you know, we've got some young guys coming through, Ratana and those boys. So I think we're pretty in pretty good stocks at halfback. Mate, what about, I think the big JK, I, the thing the thing this year for me, I think it's going to be the centre uh, 12, 13 position, uh, particularly when we get down to the All Blacks. So I, I think that's the, the one massive combination that we're not quite sure on yet. Where, where do you think that one's going? Well, it just seems to be we've just got lots and lots of injuries in that space. And every week, another one goes down. So I, I, I'm an old school guy that thinks that you need combinations in the midfield. You know, you think when you go back, you know, Horan Little, um, you know, Nonu Smith. Bunce Little. Going back, you know, you got, eh? Bunce Little. Yeah, Bunce Little. So... I think it's one of those positions, a bit like loose board, where you get a good combination, someone who works hard, you know, someone who's a bit looser, someone who's really good at, at, at exploding and carrying the ball. And I like that at centre. It's just one of those really complicated positions where you've got to have good attack, you've got to have a kicking game, you know, you've got to be able to be a little bit of a general to help your first five out under pressure, but you've also got to be a hell of a defender. So the more trust you have in the guy outside you, especially defensively, the better off you are. And unfortunately with us, we just haven't had any, um, you know, any opportunity to put combos together, you know, with Anton Leonard-Brown being out. You know, Goodhue's probably been out for a good part of two years. Haavili, you know, has had his sort of not serious injuries, but knocks that have kept him out. So I, I, I don't disagree. And I think that brings us back to the discussion of, you know, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, going back to rugby league, but is he, you know, is, is that going to hinder his, his chances of being an all-black? And, and, you know, people have been asking me that over the last couple of days, and I say no. Yeah, but, I but, say no but, if but, he's, uh, but, you know. But, JK, is he, in all seriousness, is he actually good enough to be a second five at all-black level at the highest level? That, that's my question. I mean, there's a great yeah. romance around him. There's a big brand around him. But is he actually good enough? I mean, you know, I'd take Jack Goodyear over him any day if Jack Goodyear's fit. I would take um, Anton Leonard-Brown at second 5'8". Um, I, I mean, clearly Geordie Barrett's a, another one in the mix. Uh, Havili's played pretty well there at, sec, at second 5'8". Yeah. And look, I don't disagree with you, but what if they're not there? You know? 
I know they're, I know they're better at the moment, but if they're not out there, then he becomes he comes charging into contention. I think if I was him and he and he and he got back playing in the next week or so, I'd be sharing up my time and on the wing, and um, at twelve. I don't say he goes as our number one, but I certainly think he's in contention as someone who can come on, do a job um, if you're two or three injuries down. So, you know, is he as competent as Havili? No. Is he as good as Goodyear? Well, Goodyear hasn't played, so we'll have to wait and see about that one. But if he can play on the wing and cover centre, then maybe he's your 33rd or 34th man. You know, great professional, not going to cause any issues if he's not playing. So he's a pretty safe bet heading towards the World Cup if, if we've got injuries. Yeah, he just doesn't have that string to his bow at the moment. He is a 12 and a specialist 12, and it's pretty hard to take a specialist 12 when there's two other people ahead of him possibly. So, yeah, for me, he needs – and that's the biggest regret for me with his rugby career is that he hasn't been given the opportunity because of COVID and, and, and injury to to be able to play on the wing or play at fullback and to, just to see how he goes because, you know, it, it was such an amazing rugby league 15 that why shouldn't he be given the opportunity in a similar position being on the wing or being at fullback? Yeah, at some stage – at some stage, you've just got to make those calls in your professional career, especially when you're getting a bit older. Um, you know, when you think about his consistency of being able to play, um, it just hasn't happened. Arrived, you know, COVID, uh, came back, got injured, came back, injured his shoulder again, you know, out for six weeks. Started to show some form at the beginning of the season, you know. I think that he was, he was going the best that he was going and then, you know, broke his cheekbone. So at, at some stage, you've got to go, well... You know, and it, it, is it that 12 position, lads? I mean, is it that 12 position where we're just going to have to have a bit more bulk there? Because when you think about all the running and all the players that are running down that channel, you know, they're mainly big forwards with a big, you know, with a big stink on as far as pace is concerned and size. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of our injuries have sort of shoulders and, and these guys are getting dinged up in the midfield. So it's going to be a really I reckon that's that's the most interesting um, selection moving forward yeah, Jake I want to ask you this about centre um, in regards to Rico Iwani I still think he's the best winger in the world um, you know people are convinced that he is a centre but we, look we have lost a lot of all black tests in the last two years not necessarily down to any one particular player probably the group collectively for whatever reason but is he your starting centre? I mean, you've played outside of um, the likes of the Joe Stanleys, uh, the Frank Bunces, those types of players. Would you be comfortable playing outside of him? Is he the complete player? Yeah, I'd be really comfortable playing outside him. What I would probably do is try and help him a wee bit with changing up angles outside him. So I think if you can get Rico one-on-one, um, you know, with his opposition, he's just got out-and-out pace. You know, I think he's still learning the intricacies of of that uh, of that position at the next level, but I would just leave him there. What I'd do is start running a few more people around him. You know, I'd be starting to, to have some um, some attack plays around him where he's got a player on the inside, maybe someone like Talia, you know, and he's got possibly the fullback coming outside Caleb and Caleb's coming back on a tight angle and I'd just give him a few more opportunities to show that pace and, and show what he... You know what he can do. I think I think the intricacies of you know passing under pressure at full pace and those things that you don't have to worry about on the wing are all learnt. You know you've got to learn that stuff on the job. And um, you know I think he's even this season he's m- maybe not made the right choice, but I think that's all part of his learning. I think 
when you've got someone like him, pace at the next level is absolutely fundamental. And so if you've got him at centre, you know, you've got people like Talia, um, Caleb outside him, two different type of wingers, but it becomes a really, really big threat. So for me, I'd like also like to see, you know, the Blues last night, I know they sort of had a bit of pattern to go down the left side, um, a bit of wide, wide stuff to, to spread some of these guys to give the boys a little bit more space. But, you know, that was a bit of a long-winded answer. But, yeah, I'd, I'd leave him at centre. I think he's going to be the world's best centre for the next four years. JK, let me ask you this. So you like Rico because of his pace. Um, when This is what frustrates me with the Blues uh, set-up at the moment. When was the last time you seen him at full noise with a ball in the hand before contact? Yeah, I think I was, I was thinking about that last night. The timing was out a little bit early, wasn't it, Stevie? You know, like um, I think it was a bit of a timing issue. And I think, you know, when I look at the Blues, um, I, I still think their best is ahead of them. There's a little bit of timing, you know. There's a little bit of um, that combination stuff, and, and that's what I was talking about before. You know, I it's really really hard to keep guys on the field. You know, how who who is who is um, Rico played with on his inside? And getting that timing at the next level is, is often difficult. So I think they'll really start to hit their straps now. I think the first half um, before the bye, um, you know, against, against the, was it the force? You know, their timing was out. They came right in the second half. Last night, really good second half. And I just think they need to put 80 minutes together. And that means getting your timing right off your 10, off your 12, so that you can actually hit the ball at pace. But I think that'll come. Yeah, I, I just my, my whole thing with the Blues, I think this year they've just been as a generally as a backline, they've just been too flat the whole time because you know they've just there's such extreme pace there, and we just, I just haven't seen them. I've been watching every game that they they're just not hitting the ball at full pace pre-contact, which is making it easy for the defence to tackle them. And often they're just running straight flat bank into brick walls, and it's just it's not doing us. We're a better backline than just running a twelve up into into a brick wall. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're also trying to do some stuff. A lot of the, a lot of the teams are trying to um, are trying to you know change it up, get a bit flat, get over the advantage line a bit quicker. So I think they're trying some stuff as well. But you're right; it'd be nice to see that combination. Sometimes you've got to get over the you've got to get over that advantage line as quick as you can to get a roll on because the defensive lines are coming so quick. And I don't know if you've noticed, um, especially with the Blues, they're rushing. Um, the, the opposition is just really rushing and it's sort of a South African ploy, you know. Um, and you've got to be able to adjust to that. I think if you watched the Crusaders game the other night, um, you know, the, the opposition was just rushing, you know, not worrying about tackle quality, just trying to put the ball carriers and the, and the playmakers under as much pressure as they can. It probably took the Crusaders 40 minutes to adjust and then they came out in the second half and adjust to it. And I think you'll see that in the Blues with the amount that Bowden's kicking early. You know, you kick early across the field or in behind them to try and slow that um, defensive line up. And so the other option is to, to try and to try and get flat and get over the bonus line quickly. But I think it's it's that combination that you've spoken about, Stevie, about getting getting it right. That's why I sort of like the wide wide as well. You know, wide wide, yeah. get wide, keep them going the same way, and then come back wide and give those boys a bit of space. Yeah, because that rush defence, right? That's where that's where the space is. If they rush up and in, the space is always going to be on the outside wide. So, I'm a big I'm a big fan of the wide wide. Let me ask you this, J.K. The All Blacks have five games this year before they play France in the Rugby World Cup in 138 days. Who's your centre combination? All things, all players fit, 
or everyone 100% ready to go, who's your centre combination? Uh, Anton Leonard Brown and Rico. And, uh, and I think Harvilli, Anton Leonard Brown and Harvilli would be selected on their short kicking game under pressure. So whoever's the best at that. So no Geordie Barrett at 12. Yeah, I think Geordie will be a really big part of it. It just depends on what they what they want to do with him. So it's it's out of those three. And I think when you think about that fast, when you think about that fast um, defensive line, I think what Geordie showed us last year was his ability to be that combination of someone who can kick and someone who can get over the advantage line. He certainly starts as favourite. Um, and then, you know, Havili, Anton, Leonard, Brown. So I just hope they're all fit and well, you know. So if you're thinking about who's fit and well, right now, if I was picking all black side, it would be Geordie and Rico. Okay, uh, JK, we just want to, um, again, part of the discussion for after one o'clock, I can get your thoughts on this. Highlanders, another really poor performance away, another loss for them. Not a bad side on paper when you do run through it, the likes of Lowe and Umanga Jensen. You've got Frizzell, Harmon, I mean, Pity Pity Parkinson, the whole lot. Can we start now asking some questions perhaps about the coaching, that perhaps Clark Dermody is perhaps not the right guy for this Highlanders team? I mean, you can't sack a squad, you can't sack 23 players, but clearly something is not working here. Yeah, look, um, I've, I've been blamed before as a coach. Um, and I think the whole thing is it's probably a combination of things. Everyone has to look in the mirror and take responsibility. Um, but I think I think what they're missing is just a really, really hard, hard-working um, front five, to be fair. I think they need to work a whole lot harder. Um, for me, it's it's all about that. The, the Highlanders of the past, I've never had big names, but they've always had guys that have just absolutely outworked their opposition. Um, the game I saw last night, I saw a tired uh, football team, and sometimes the efforts probably weren't what they'd want. So, you know, for me, it's uh, I think they've got a backline, but you can't launch a backline unless you're, you know, dominating up front. So for me, it's a it's a work a work effort thing. I mean, will they still make the the top eight? They could do. Oh, I think they'll definitely still make the top eight. I, I, I just I felt last night they just lost a little bit of direction. They lost a little bit of composure at big moments, and not having an Aaron Smith uh, there, I think really really hurt them. You know, they they didn't have those Fords didn't have someone demanding of them to do the job they needed to do when they needed to do it, and that's what they've had for such a long time with Aaron Smith there. Like the Fords really get that kick in the backside when it's needed, and. It just wasn't quite that there last night. I mean, they got themselves... They, they lost the game at halftime and they were down and out and they got themselves back into reach and and then just started throwing it, throwing it away again, which was which was the disappointing thing for me. Yeah, I mean, and we started at the top, didn't we? A yappy little, a yappy little halfback like you, Stevie, you know? Um, I just had my- giving them direction and just telling them what to do, you know what I mean? So... So Aaron Smith is the world's best at that. I mean, sometimes when you're watching it on television, you can hear him yelling at people, you know, and they've lost two of their guys. And look, it was really interesting talking to the Waratahs coach last night, right? Um, and he left eight guys at home on purpose because he wants to make a run for the playoffs. I don't necessarily agree with that yeah. as far as the competition's concerned because it degrades the competition. But if you think about the Highlanders, they've left some of their guys at home. Um, 
and they can still get a good run in and make the playoffs. But they will have to start playing consistently better. I mean, if your goal is to make the playoffs, then you're probably going to make the playoffs and that's it, you know. But to win this thing, you've actually got to start working pretty hard. And the thing I liked about the Blues is that actually their forward pack is actually, you know, I went down the sideline a couple of times last night and they're pretty physical, right? And that's what the Highlanders have always been. They've always been physical, but I don't see that like I have in the last few years. Uh, JK, got about 90 seconds. Just just a final one. Um, just Moana Pacifica struggling, haven't won a game yet. Um, and is there need to go back to a draft system for Super Rugby where the franchises pick their 30 players and then everybody goes into a pool that then everybody can pick from. There's no feeder system for Moana Pacifica. They seem to just be a team that are made up of the dregs, the leftovers. That's not good for this competition going forward. We don't every week want to be coming going, okay, well, we know that Moana Pacifica are going to get beaten. That's another four points plus the bonus point. Oh, I disagree with that a wee bit. I don't think that Moana Pacifica is the dregs. I think the Pacifica players are probably the most numerous worldwide. What we need to be able to do is create an equal opportunity for them financially so that Moana Pacific is an option. Um, you know, if I said to you Luatua, if I said to you Piatau, you know, if I said to you George Moala, um, they're all playing overseas, those guys, you know. So the opportunity to get them home is really important. I, I think Moana Pacifica must be here to stay. They must be here to stay. Um, the draft system, I think, is really, really good for us in New Zealand, and I think we'll have to bring that back. You know, it's no use seeing the Highlanders struggling a wee bit if we've got guys sitting on the bench around the country that could be good enough. So I think that's important. But I think it's very, very different for Moana Pacifica. You know, I think they, I think we have to think about how we can, how we can encourage um, the competitions back in Samoa and Tonga to be better. Um, you know, one of the questions I'm asking myself is, do we think a more should be available for the All Blacks or should you play for Moana Pacific and then be available for Fiji, Tonga or Samoa? So um, I don't think they should be part of our draft system unless the guys declare themselves available for um, for those nations. So for me, it's a little bit more complicated. But a draft system in New Zealand, I think you'd have to have a look at if our franchises are becoming too weak and not competitive. It's a bit like the Australian situation, right? If you don't have enough players and you spread that talent right across too many franchises, then you're actually um, not achieving anything. Hey, hey, JK, look, appreciate you on the programme this afternoon. Some wonderful insight. Thank you. Uh, Sir John Kerwin, it is 10 minutes away from one. Okay, and Bunnings, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Do check out the team at Bunnings if you are looking to do a bit of DIY over the weekend. Look, uh, we kept that interview going with Sir John Kerwin, therefore we're sort of going to have to double up a little bit on our breaks. But please uh, join us, make sure you join us between one and two. We'd love you to be part of the programme on 0800 150 811 as we discuss all rugby issues, put a big focus on this weekend's round of Super Rugby. Mark Watson alongside of me, Steve Devine, text number is 8833. Some good texts that have come in which we will read. Again, that telephone number 0800 150 811. It is one minute after one. You are listening to the Rugby Run. Mark Watson alongside of me, former All Black halfback Steve Devine. We are taking your calls on 0800 150 811. Some interesting points there from Sir John Kerwin. If all things were equal, if everybody was fit, Anton Leonard-Brown would be his second 5'8". Starting for the All Blacks, his centre would be Rico Awani. 
uh, in regards to a potential draft system to maybe just have the best players playing consistently week in, week out so that we have a competition where I guess maybe you're not always sure what the outcome is and therefore maybe get a higher level of engagement. Agrees that with the New Zealand teams, definitely, if some teams become too top-heavy, thinks that with the Moana Pacifica, that perhaps it's just making sure there's a financial model in place which incentivises Polynesian players from around the world to want to come back home. It's always going to be hard when you're up against the euro, up against the pound or up against the yen. So some interesting talking points there from Sir John Kerwin. Uh, Highlanders fans, I'd like to ask you this question, Clark Dermody, your coach, is it time for a change? Do you need to change your coach? Or is it a simple case of what JK said, the type five are just basically not doing enough? He didn't say they were lazy. I'm going to say that I took from it that perhaps they are a little bit lazy, need to be working a little bit harder. So 0800 is the number. Uh, we will look at the other Super Rugby games as well, including the Crusaders getting up over the Rebels in the weekend. The Chiefs are too good for the Fijian Druid. Uh, Steve Devine alongside of me. Graham, good afternoon. G'day, Mark. G'day, Steve. How are you guys? G'day, mate. How are you? He's got a big smile on his face, Graham. He says, when Graham phones up, I'm going to go at him. Oh, 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 oh. oh, he went at me last week. He said... Um, Go the rebels. I said go the Waratahs. <laughs> hey, it got you... pretty vicious. It got pretty vicious, actually. Mate, you come back at me pretty pretty quickly, but. Oh well, I had to say, I had to say that, yeah, because um, I know everybody around New Zealand supports everyone against the Crusaders, so I, I can't be um, hung out to dry too much if I um say that back. But yeah, but think been some interesting games. I mean, you've talked a bit about the Highlanders, but yeah, I, I was actually happy with. A lot of whining and gnashing of teeth about the Crusaders' performance against the Rebels, but um, I was pleased. You know, I thought Jack Goodhue, talking about midfield, I thought he came back well, Mark, actually. You know, and he came off, you know, and uh, David Avili played well, Dallas McLeod, those guys made a big difference. Um, yeah, and Cullen Grace, obviously, in the forward, so it's pretty. Um, yeah, that Rebels team did, like JK was actually just saying now, actually, about the rush defence. I mean, they were. They were pretty brutal, and people say, "Oh, they've, you know, they haven't won a game, and they're this and they're that." But um, in reality, you know, some of those guys will probably be in the Wallabies team, and um, yeah, and they they were pretty tough, you know. So I was happy, you know, and you'll be pleased with the Blues, of course. Do I mention it, Steve? Uh, mate, I mean, I'm not overly happy. I thought they could have been better. I, I, let's get back to the Crusaders. I, I thought you mentioned um, Jack Goodhue. I've I've got written down. I, I think that. I think that was the best passing performance I've seen by any player in Super Rugby uh, this year. I, I know you, you can still tell he's struggling a little bit on on the on the knee. Um, yeah, he's not moving as well as you know one would normally. But man, his passing last night was as crisp as I've ever seen a player. Yeah, well, that, that was what you know he was like when the early part of Razor's time and the Crusaders when he was sort of a well, he was basically the starting centre with Ryan Crotty back then, but he was always, like, um, Mark's always been a big advocate for him because of his ability to two feet as wingers. And, yeah, I, yeah, it was very sharp. I agree. It was, you know, whippet stuff. He was, he moved it quickly, and they, they were coming up fast. So, yeah, he made a, he made a difference, I thought. And, yeah, and David Havili, I think, played the best game of footy I've seen him play in three years. Well, yeah, certainly, yeah, probably the best in, you know, maybe two, maybe not three. Yeah, well, but it's certainly one of his better ones. And he, um, yeah, he, 
he's had a few, you know, he gets moved around a lot now. Of course, Will Jordan was out early on. He started at fullback in the first game. But, yeah, no, it's good good to see him, you know, because he's got a good step, good kicking game. And, you know, he's, he's got that, that midfield. You know, I think he'll be a show-in for the World Cup squad. But the starting midfield is very contentious. We'll see who's fit and who's available who, who when the team gets announced. You're a connoisseur of rugby, Graham. Who do you who do you start at uh, twelve and thirteen for the All Blacks this year? Oh, actually, yeah, take I your take your eye patch off. Take it take it off yeah. now, and then who who do you I, think I, starts? It doesn't come off. It's permanent. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it, I'm just going to say, Haveli, good here. Haveli, good here. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it, so I said, <laughs> take the patch Dallas off. Dallas McLeod is back up. No, I mean Dallas is playing well. He is. I think he'll be an All Black. Um, I think they'll start with Geordie Barrett. Um, uh, it's interesting, Jake. A lot of people like Anton Leonard Brown. I mean, he's a good player. Wayne Smith rates him very highly. You know, got him up to the Chiefs from here, actually, way back in the day. Um, but I, yeah, I, I'm not a. I haven't been. I, I mean, he's, he's been hampered by injury too, like Jack Goodhue. So, yeah, I just haven't seen enough of Leonard Brown to have him in the start in that midfield. You know, I think that Jack Goodhue needs more game time. Like, and you know, he's a, he's a candidate, but I think. Haveli and Barrett. I mean, I still like Mark. I prefer Rico Ioane on the wing. Um, but he has proved me wrong <laughs> quite a few times with his performances for the All Blacks late, late last year. He played well. and um, But, yeah, I do, yeah. They, I just wonder whether he'll always be there. You're a good politician, <laughs> Graham. You haven't answered that question at all. You've got Geordie Barrett. Who you got at 13? Um, well, no, I'll go, I'll go David Haveli, 12, there, just to be controversial. Yeah, and who's your 13? Um, well, it's, <laughs> I think if Jack Goodyear gets fit, I'll be I'll be completely parochial and just say Jack Goodyear will make it back in well, there. Well, in a perfect world, think, in, in a perfect world, I'd have Jack Goodyear at centre, Rico Iwani on the wing, and I'd have uh, Anton Leonard Brown at second five eight. Yeah, no, I disagree with that. I mean, you're a very good footballer, but yeah, I, I preferred um, Haveli as second five. Um, I think he gets a bit of a hard time. Um, Outside of the Crusaders, you know, they seem to think he, um, you know, against Australia he's played well. And we've, we've had a few bad performances in the forwards at times and the back line hasn't always functioned well at all black level. But, yeah, I still think David Haveli's going to, yeah, I'm going to just, yeah, just to hack you off, Steve, I'll go Haveli, good you. Yeah, Thanks. I mean, I just can't take the eye patch off, sorry. Thanks, mate, I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what about, bring... <laughs> I'll go one, for, one more for you, mate. What about your um, number six? Who do you play at six? Oh, you go Blackadder, don't you? Ethan Blackadder, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for me, Blackadder all Yeah, day. I mean, because he can play all three, but I think that's where, you know, ultimately, that's where he's, well, I, I, he played I, there. He played there in 2021, yeah, I, I, most I, of it, yeah. I, I think he was the one player we really genuinely missed last year. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, on that tour, well, not just the tour, I think that earlier test. Let me ask I Steve Devine. against Ireland. Against let, me Ireland. Ask, let me ask Steve Devine who he's going to play at six, because I can see his little mind working in studio here. Yeah, that's my that's my one position right now, whether I don't, I'm not really locked in. I, I'm thinking um, Scott Barrett. Scott Barrett at six. Um, I'm a better line-out option, a bigger body. Um, he, he can be that that absolute mongrel that you need with a bit of height and he gets around the field all right but discipline man discipline with scott barrett yeah yeah i yeah i just i just think he's, we're been, getting... he's been tired a wee bit with that brush um now they've now they've got a bit more sensible with height tackling heights last year you know 
you got you know a lot of people saying about the discipline. I mean, in the past, yeah, he has had a couple of cards, but Ethan Blackadder is a, is actually pretty good in the lineout. You know, I know um, when Cullen Grace is available, he takes a lot of pressure off down the back. Well, I mean, for me, we just want a player who can definitely get across that advantage line, just has that ability, yep. that energiser bunny that goes all day. And I, I, I haven't seen it from Scott Barrett in the loose. I just haven't seen it from him. So that's why I'm sort of well, sitting on the side there of um, Blackadder. I mean, Scott Barrett as an option, you know, but, but I'd have Ethan Blackadder, yeah, yeah like Mark. My, my, only, my only concern, Graeme, is that you've, you've picked a, a number six, uh, you've picked a 12 and a 13 that have played about four games between them all year in Super Rugby so far. That's that's my only concern for yeah, your back yeah, team. Yeah, but I mean, this. Yeah, but I, I look. I still think though there are still a lot of games left in Super Rugby to go. These guys come back into form fairly quickly at once they at that certain level. Um, I mean, this is an All Black selection who are happy when players aren't playing. I mean, a lot of guys hardly play any rugby under these clowns at the moment. Clowns, oh, yeah. We, we, again, with five, we got five. All Blacks have got five games this year before their first game in France. Um, I, I think they're going to need to hit the ground running. Is all I, I think if they're going to work some combinations out before that, they're going to. I know depth is important because if you get injuries, but you know if we're talking about your best, your best fifteen, and you, yeah, I'm just. I'm concerned that those positions, but there hasn't been a lot of rugby this year. Hey, you might have some thoughts on this, so some agreement, some disagreement. It's a really interesting discussion. Who's your number six? Who's your midfield combination for the All Blacks based on what you've seen so far through nine rounds of Super Rugby? And also just your general thoughts on this round of Super Rugby. Highlanders, where do you go to from here? What is the answer? What is the solution? Sir John Kerwin coming out saying, look, he just doesn't think the type five are working hard enough. That simple. Some good names on paper, but a game's not played on paper. 0800 is the number. You can text us here on 8833. Yeah, and don't forget to power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Do check out the team at Bunnings. Uh, telephone number's 0800 150 uh, Look, I'll get you, Steve, here to give us your Kubota most reliable player of the round from what you saw over the weekend. I'm going to agree with. I had a few people jot it down. I had. I thought Brody Retallick was solid as solid as ever he's ever been. Um, getting back to his best form, but uh, I'm going to agree with Ken on this one. Um, who you messaged us then? I just think um, Adrian Choate. He was. He's probably at his best game he's had in a long time, and he's just week in week out. He just tackles. Like, mm. is it? We used to have a um, guy on our team, Justin Collins, who just week yeah, in. Remember Justin Collins? Just well. would just tackle, yeah. tackle, tackle, yeah. tackle, tackle. Get up and make another tackle and. And you need guys like that in your team that just do the hard work uh, behind the scenes. Don't go on and rave about it. They just get in. They get stuck in. They carry hard. He's not a big See, man. If, and if, if I'm rugby league, I'd be targeting the guys like the Choates if I'm looking for um, code hoppers rather than looking for these guys that have got this great little bit of step in athleticism because league to me, First and foremost, it's about defence, it's about tackling, and a guy like Choate would not look out of place in rugby league. Yeah, and it mainly just that's his thing. He just deals to anything that stands in front of him, he'll knock over and then get up and, and do it again to the next person. And and last night he he made some phenomenal tackles. Like he's not a big boy cons- compared to what's running around out there, and he made some really good solid contacts and uh, drove people back. So. You know, week in, week out, he's there. He's knocking people over, and that's what you want. That's what you want from a uh, loose forward these days. I might just get Ben to line this up. I think we've got it. You talked earlier about how the Blues line out last night performed arguably at its best. Um, during the week, we caught up 
with the Blues line-out coach. Uh, Paul Tito. Paul Tito. And I did ask him that question, basically, what his job description was. It was fascinating, just in terms of what is actually involved. Also, the question about whether or not how much responsibility falls back on the hooker. So... Um, some of you may have heard this, but I thought it would just be a really good opportunity to replay that, just give you some sort of insight in terms of the technical side of line-out throwing and why at times it can be on or at times why it can be slightly off. Yeah, hey, on a Monday we always have a good meeting with the line-out leaders about what they're seeing, how opposition defend and, and how we set up our week. Um, from there we kind of go on to uh, setting the line-outs up and, and getting them uh uh, the clarity done through walkthroughs and showing videos and showing presentations so the boys can learn however um, however they learn. Uh, we'll go out on a Monday afternoon and do them and film them and that'll be up for them to see. So if they're visual learners, it's all there. If they're written learners, it's all there, you know what I mean? So every every aspect is, is, is ticked off, so whatever whatever it takes for those boys to, to get that into their brain. Um, we crank it up on a Tuesday um, where we mainly focus on, on our attack and the guys that aren't in the team will will defend against um, against the boys and they'll defend like um, the Waratahs. Uh, we'll have a few drives at the end of that session also on the Tuesday and then tomorrow uh, we'll have a 20-minute hit where I'll, uh, the non-playing team will do the Waratahs line-outs. Uh, our boys will defend them and we'll have about normally about 12 of our own ball because that's roughly how many we get on, on game day. Uh, and we kind of uh, we try and um, simulate the game scenario. So, hey, you only get 12 in the game, so you've only got 12 here to get. So if you miss two, then you miss two. Yeah. Uh, look, big responsibility, I mean, falls on the hooker. And we've spoken to Kurt Eklund and maybe through the first part of the early season, line-out throwing was an issue for him. So what do you do, what sort of conversations do you have with the hookers when maybe it's a bit of a mental block or they're just not finding just not finding their jumpers? Hey, you know, the hooker, you see on TV all the time, the hooker gets blamed for everything. But, you know, you look the deeper in, uh, into the into the nitty-gritty, you know, you can cover, you can you can protect the hooker quite a, quite a lot. Um, and that's what I've done since I've been here. Uh, they've carried the brunt of um, of the the lineouts in the past, uh, and I'll put more onus on on the jumper being nice and square and the lifter finishing really high and and just the basic skills in the lineout that we need to be better at. Um, I call it the drill, uh, and we need to be better at our drill, and and that's what I've been really honing in on, and and uh, hopefully we're seeing some benefit of it. Um, I'm riding these guys and and just trying to be better every week in this space. Mate, how things have changed. I know the, the little Australian halfback used to get blamed for everything back in the day. Oh, for sure. And and you and, and you know, mostly rightly so. You need another you need another Australian in the blues team, mate. That'll make all problems go away. <laughs> for sure. There you go, Paul Tito, earlier in the week just talking about the line out. Um it used to be a day where the wingers would throw the ball into the line out. Yeah, listen, the, the line-out is an art, right, that is made even more difficult because there's Fords uh, running it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you suggesting? Well, the IQ of the Fords is not quite the same uh, intellect as the back line. I mean, who's, who's the dumb one, the second five that runs up and crashes into four or five guys? or the... We used to watch them organise their line-out at times and we're just all standing around scratching our heads. It's like, could, could you make it any more difficult? Like, 
yeah, they it's, it's an art form, no doubt. But gee, they've made it complicated over the years. I think um, sometimes uh, simple is good, like Tedo was talking about. Now you want to address the text that's come through. Hey, we got a, a text from Dean talking about De Groot's uh, two wide passes off either hand. He said. Um, bugger me in his day he would just uh, tuck it under the shoulder and run so um, yeah, it's a skill that props uh, I don't think there would be too many people that wouldn't have De Groot in their um, starting all black team he's a, he's, a, he's a beast of a player when he's fit getting around the park and he's, uh, he's doing good things he's, he's certainly carrying people down there in the Highlanders in that, in that front five he's, uh, he's doing some hard work up front uh, he scrums well he, he can pass and run and tackle and do, do all, all great things a prop probably shouldn't do 22 minutes after one, this is the Rugby Run. The telephone number is 0800 150811. You can text us here on double eight double three. I think talkback is a better experience when you do jump on the phone. Uh, Chiefs had another comfortable victory over the Fiji and Drua uh, on Friday night. Uh, Damien McKenzie has been a real revelation. It's the first time I guess we've really seen him consistently at first five. Maybe previously he's sort of played that dual role at fullback as well. Um would you start him as you're starting All Black first five? And and uh, okay, I'll ask you this question: Would you? And do you think the All Black selectors will? Uh, would I? Yes. Um, I, I think I think the Chiefs are a better team when he's at ten, and I, I, I've put that down in my notes that he, he he was moved to fifteen in this game. I just think the Chiefs are better. Like they didn't get on top of the drawer until late in that match. You know, the score line. If you think the score they did it easy, they didn't do it easy. It was pretty tight with sort of twenty to go. Um, the Chiefs are definitely a better team when he's at ten. I like Damian McKenzie, and this is why this is why I would start him. I wouldn't. I would give him a chance at ten in the All Black jumper because he's got the ability to still take the ball to the line hard, even if the forwards are going backwards. Okay, so the Chiefs haven't gone forwards all year. And uh, he can still take the ball to the line, and I just know I know Moanga has struggled in the past uh, behind a beaten pack because he, he doesn't have to play that role too often. The Crusaders pack normally goes forward, so I just I think Damian McKenzie offers you the best of both worlds. That if your pack is going backwards, you can still he can still take it to the line and, and create things from there. So um, I think only recently, the first you know the last three or four weeks, I truly do believe that he could be a starting All Black number ten, but they won't. Why won't they? Uh, well, I hope they're trying to lock down some serious combinations. Like I said, but there's five games to the Rugby World Cup first match. Um, I think they need all five of those games. I need. I think they need to pick a team, especially at uh, 9, 10, 12 and 13. They need to pick a team and they need to give them as much time together as they can. And yeah. um, That's going to be the big call. What that team is, um, you know, that's Foster's call. What that team is is... Um, that's what it's going to be, but they they need to spend some serious time together. And they need to build some combinations, and the only time, the only way you can do that is by playing um, some test matches. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that, Chiefs, because it was an opportunity to give Cortez Ratama an opportunity halfback, bring Gatland at first five eight, and arrest um, some of the players that we've just been discussing. One guy who was incredibly impressive was Peter Gus Sawakula. The forgotten man, a man who last year came in and played two tests for the All Blacks and then again was just sort of put on the the All Black heap. Yeah, it's he's he's big, he's strong, um he's doing everything right, you know, he carries hard as anyone into contact and yeah, he's playing good footy and it's just you know, it's 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 a shame he got his chance and I guess he dropped the ball in that second test against Ireland. I don't think the loss was down to what he did, but um, yeah, he's been sort of 
never seen again. It didn't even make the New Zealand A it's team. Got to, it's got to be political. There's got to be off the field stuff, doesn't there, going on here? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. But I, again, I think he's signed a contract already to go offshore uh, for next year. So that is seriously going to limit his um, probably involvement later in the year with the All Blacks because, you know, those those tough decisions, uh, those fifty fifties. If there is someone in that fifty fifty category. Uh, that are staying in the country next year, then they, they tend to choose that. Okay, let's talk about Josh Lord and the All Blacks. Yep. I think two years ago on the end of the year, to a bit of a bolter and then picked up serious injury, sort of getting himself back, came off the bench. Uh, I think I, the first thing that struck me, I hadn't obviously seen him for a few years with his, well, he tore his ACL last year. Uh, he's a big boy. Like he is just a big unit. He's tall. He's, he's sort of, he's not a string bean type type lock he's a, he's just a big unit and you know that's um that's straight out of the mold of a Brody Retallick you know he, he got around the the field well uh he moved some bodies at ruck time he's he's big mobile boy I can see I can see why he was picked early as a as a potential black and given you know given the opportunity to go away with them early in his career as a as a sort of 19 year old he's He's certainly got. He's got the frame. He's got the uh, motor. He's got the lungs to to um, you know to be a special footy player. I, I'm I'm betcha they're glad they've got him back. And um, he he certainly he th- certainly threw his hand up. What I've seen, um, you know, with with another six or seven weeks to go before the All Black teams are named, he's he's um, he's going to be right in the mix. Mm. Also good to see Caelan Bosch here. Yep. Yeah, it's good. I mean. Pretty, pretty depth. They got a lot of depth. Hey, eh? the Chiefs. There seems to be. Um, doesn't matter who they select. They they seem to get on there playing well. They're, they're playing a great. You know, I, I hate to say this because I'm not. A, I've competed so hard against the Chiefs that they're playing a great brand of footy. You know, they're attacking hard. They the Fords are getting them getting some dominance up front, and they they're playing they're playing a really good brand of football. And it's heaven forbid it's it's good to watch. Telephone numbers 0800 150 You can text us here on double eight double three if you want to jump on the phone and talk all things Super Rugby. So Steve Devine there saying that, hey, Damien McKenzie wouldn't have a problem starting him at 10 for the All Blacks. Has probably been the form first five based on maybe showing the complete skill set that I think is required in different circumstances. You've got those sort of games where... I guess sides allow you to play a little bit more open, but then you're going to come up against those sides that are going to get up flat, are going to play it very much in the forwards. And I'll be honest, in those situations like that, you go back if Richie Mwanga, um, has Bowden Barrett um, absolutely performed with distinction in those situations? I'm not sure they have. Yeah. I think I think, I think for the first time in... I think for the first time that Damien McKenzie's in the top two number tens in the country, and uh, there's always been two really good tens in this country. And I, I think right now, I think Damien's, you know, if he's not number one, he's, he's certainly pretty close to being number one. But he's definitely number two as your first choice number ten. So, you know, watch your space. He's got a you know big six weeks left, and maybe a super final. Maybe the two of them come up against each other later in the year, and um, you know, winner takes all. But yeah, he's certainly playing great footy. Bunnings, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. It is 29 minutes after one. Fact, dream team, Mark Watson, Steve Devine. <laughs> you don't need to laugh, Steve. I'm giving you a compliment. I don't hear that a lot. No, nor do I, mate. That's why I said it. I thought if we don't say it, nobody else will, mate. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mate, we've had a couple of texts through, one through from Lachlan saying, G'day, Mark and Steve. Definitely a few talking points over the weekend. Landers just look lost at the moment and the fringe players are not super rugby quality. 
Dermody doesn't inspire me in the slightest, and he's not up for it as a coach. Uh, we'll talk about that. He goes on a little bit. We'll talk about that. Yeah, they do look lost, but I, I think they lost a couple of big experienced players that um, particularly in around the nine position. You know, they've, Aaron Smith's been there for a long time, and he, he's, you know, what he says gets done. And they, I don't think they quite had that direction. But, you know, they had a horrific sort of 15, 20-minute period where they ended up with three people in the band and they just bled points to the point it was, you know, the game was pretty much all over at halftime. But they, you know, they were good enough to get themselves back into it when they played some pretty good footy. And, you know, they gave themselves a chance to win it with 20 to go and then it sort of all fell over again. So, you know, Dermody is a good coach. He's done some pretty amazing things with Southland over the last few years. So, you know, he's a good coach. He's there or thereabouts. And, and uh, I just don't think they quite have the fodder like they you know they don't have they haven't they don't have the ability now to pick up these fringe players from around the country from other teams and, and bring them down to play good footy okay but this competition can't it's it's going to continue to diminish regards of in regards to interest if it suddenly is reduced to the crusaders the blues the chiefs and the Hurricanes, because the Australian teams aren't putting up much. Fiji, yeah, they're strong at home, but they're a gimme four points when they're away from home. And again, we, we talked about the fact there's just not enough financial parity for Moana Pacifica to maybe attract the top Pacific players who just inundate other teams around the world. And so how do we address this Highlanders issues if they can't attract the top players, if they can't attract the fringe players? Yeah, I, I certainly think it's better f- to have um, fringe players and other teams um, playing Super Rugby. If that's f- with the Highlanders, then that's with the Highlanders. But it makes no sense to me to keep a whole heap of good young kids um, on the reserves bench not playing, playing but- club rugby for other franchises when you've got, you know, when they can be used in, in for the Highlanders. But, you, you know, as Dean said earlier, wouldn't it be great, Stephen Perifetta playing weekly first 5-8 for the Highlanders, coming up against Bowden Barrett, coming up against Damien McKenzie, coming up against Richie Mwanga. Yep, absolutely. And and that's where we need it. We need to find a better balance because um, how we've got it at the moment with our franchises, um, our super franchises contracting players, you know, they can just, you know, if you've got some money and you, you've got some... Uh, some good facilities behind you, you can set up these pretty awesome talent bases where, um, you know, these kids just train for a long time and don't get any any real uh, game time. And that's what we need our kids doing. We need them playing the game, not just training the game. Okay, look, I, I do just want to change tack because this is very much the rugby run and the, and the term rugby uh, is we're going to now uh, define it across the broader side of it. Had a text come in from Josh just talking about Kumu. Now, I live in Muriwai, so just north of Kumu. Kumu is just uh, north of Auckland, part of the North Harbour competition. Um, they defaulted, they've defaulted two weeks in a row in the North Harbour rugby competition. Again, the discussion around the state of club rugby. We see more and more clubs amalgamate. Some sides are struggling a little bit to. Uh, put out first teams, and if they can't put out, if they can put out first teams, they're struggling to put out Colts under twenty sides, um, and have that flow through. I, I've always said this, Steve. I think one thing that needs to happen with New Zealand rugby is they need to sit down with their broadcast broadcast partners, Sky, say enough, no more broadcasting of schoolboy rugby. Let's start broadcasting senior club rugby. Let's start putting the emphasis on that. Make that the stepping stone, and maybe start to um, yeah put that back in the spotlight. 
Yeah, and and possibly a, a senior club rugby playoff championship. Yeah, where national championship. Auckland yeah. plays Hamilton plays. Well, followed the same thing as um, say followed the same thing as Auckland School. Uh, yeah. As the New Zealand ticket, the champion of Auckland plays the champion of Northland, then plays the champion of North Harbour, and then you know the Chiefs, etc. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And the biggest thing I find at club rugby is just the the sheer lack of facilities for. You know, we have these kids at times coming out of these schools. These um, you know, the facilities at the schools are like second to none around the country. And then, you know, they get out of schoolboy rugby, they go to a wet, muddy club ground, and after the game they can't have a warm shower, you know. It doesn't encourage the youth of today to yeah. play rugby when the facilities and, and just the, they're just not there. And, and that's where we need to get better and that's where we need to spend some money. Yeah. Do we do enough in the space of trying to encourage kids who are late developers physic- physically or Late, later going through puberty, however you want to discuss it, who then say, well, hang on a minute, you know, well, I was a bit small at school and therefore I wasn't given the opportunity, so I'm going to chuck it in. Um, and so, you know, particularly in Auckland, it's the bigger kids that seem to get into everything, who seem to grab the headlines, seem to grab the attention, but because they are bigger kids, do we do enough to cater for the late developer and telling them that the pecking order at school is not necessarily the pecking order in life? Yeah, listen, I don't think so. I, th- I know the schools now have a uh, under 85 first 15 competition set up and, you know, that's a great leveller for, for kids um, to continue to play the game. I, I don't think enough emphasis has been put on it. I, I, I really think that there are a lot of uh, littler kids that just don't want to play these massive boys on the weekend and, you know, um, and I agree. Like you look at someone like Ethan Blackadder, didn't play schoolboy rugby. You know, he, he didn't choose to play it and he didn't play it at all. And it's not since he's finished school that he's decided that I'm going to give this a go and, and look where he is. So there are a lot of kids that are not world beaters and not all blacks at 15, you know, and we have to encourage them just to continue to play the game. And why do those kids continue to play the game? And it, that's because they enjoy it. So we, you know, it, it's not about winning or losing. It's not about uh, the, the single most important thing we need to put on uh, our kids children playing rugby is enjoyment. Yeah, because it's interesting. I remember talking to a South African correspondent years ago and we were, and this is when the All Blacks were having a really dominant period and he said, look, the difference between New Zealand rugby and South African rugby is that you guys from a young age develop the skill set and then you build the player, i.e. the physical side of it. We tend to pick the big physical kids and then try and develop the skill set. And he said the New Zealand model's the right way. And then you looked at the Canterbury model and you think, I wonder why the Crusaders are so good. And you go, because they don't probably have the size issue. They don't have the Pacific Island, Māori boys, et cetera, those kids that develop earlier. And therefore, you know, as a young player there, you develop the skills. And then once they, you know, mature physically, you put them in the gym and you build the player. 100%. The the biggest problem with... um, Schoolboy junior rugby is parents who must over anything else their their kids must win, and I've I've coached junior rugby for a long time, and and it's just it's just not that important. It's it's all right if our kids lose. No, you right? have to learn how to lose to learn but, how to win. Well, you learn more out of losing than you do out of winning. But it just seems to be that our kids have to win. That we have to put them in the best teams. We have to get a whole group of these kids and put them in the best teams so they win every week. And it's just winning to a kid. He'll be upset for five minutes, and then he he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He just you know he wants to enjoy the game. He wants to be involved. And the more kids we can get playing rugby for longer, the better we're going to be. Yeah, yeah. 
And you and don't, but at the same time, you don't want kids getting out there, getting blown off the park by 60 points. Well, that's what I mean. We, yeah. we get parents who get these kids together and they make this uh, amazing team. You know, they pick all the best kids from everywhere and they put them in this one team so they have this little super unit. Uh, Franchise. Yeah. And they play together for 10 years and they win every game. And, and it's not good for the kids in the game. And it's not good for the kids they're playing because they're just getting beat up every. And they're just like kids don't want to get beat up every weekend. Mm. They just, you know, it mm. should just be about enjoyment at that level. Let if they really enjoying the game, then they're going to play for longer. And then when they play for longer, they all grow up. Kids develop at different sizes. Look, like I, I was, I was tiny at school, and I, I would say if I grew up playing rugby in New Zealand, I probably wouldn't have played rugby after I left school because, um, you know, I was 55 kilos playing first 15 in Australia, which was acceptable because there wasn't a huge Polynesian. It was, a con- it was economies of scale. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there were some big boys there. Ooh, Don't get me wrong, but I, was, I wasn't that – I wasn't playing men. I was playing schoolboys, and, and that's I think that's a big difference up here in Auckland. There, what a, part did club rugby play in your development? Uh, I left school and played club for a few years. I played a year in Colts in Sydney and then – I played great. I, I, you're meant to have two years in Colts, and I just went and played the men. I, I, I had a, you know, some mates around me that they were playing, so I was just playing with them, and and it just developed from there for me. I, I was a late, I was a late starter, and and um, it took me a, a little bit longer. But but there's a lot of Steve Devines out there, aren't there? That oh, don't hundreds. understand the pathways. Maybe don't have the parents with the nails to say to them, "Hey, just hang in there, mate. And, and that's, you're going to get bigger. You're going to grow up." I mean, I've got a little guy at the moment, a little son who's nine. He's playing water polo at the moment. The kid's tiny. But I can see some really good skills in him. I just sit there and go, oh, he's so cute, he's so cute. But you can sort of see him and you're thinking, yeah. And he's playing some big, big kids and you think, man, if we just keep developing the skills, we know at some point he's going to get to that size and then we're going to have, you know, we're going to have this water polo player. And, and this is my thing about about winning and losing, right? If it's all about winning, then 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 there are some kids, right, who are very, very good at an age that why not put them up an age group? You know, why let them be a superstar their whole life? You know, every time they catch the ball, they run around everyone at school. Why Why let the kid do that? Why not put him up an age group yeah, where, but, where he's in a level? It's not about the age where he's at a level where he is But see, this is, what, this is why club rugby is so important because it takes the size equation out of it. Senior club rugby, you're the big kid at school. You ran through everybody. Well, hang on now. There's parity. Everybody's yep. fully grown. You're going to come up against 26, 27-year-olds. Let's see what you've learned outside of just being able to run over the top of smaller kids. Yeah, I, and I agree. I agree totally. Why have that one kid who every time he touches the ball scores right, going up through all the age groups? Like, why not move him up an age group mm. where his skill level? It's only going to be better for the kid. He may not win every game for his team, but it's only going to be better for that individual to playing people at his level, not not at his age group's level where he can where can he just smoke whoever he wants, you know. We have these parents that know he must play here because he's going to win. And he's going to be the standout, and he's and he's going to mm. go on to better things. But he, but he's not because he's he's too far advanced for this level. Yeah, and, and they end up becoming one dimensional, don't they? They do, because and they, they, just they don't rely. face adversity, so they've got the one skill set, which is the size. And that's why I was looking at Conrad Smith. You know, Conrad Smith growing up. You know, Andrew Merton's growing up. Those kids had to learn to be multi talented, multi faceted, because there's no way they were going to compete on a size scale. But well, hey, let me outthink them. Let me out. Um, skill them. Yep. And the other thing it does when you, if you decide to move a kid up, all of a sudden he's around people of similar ability. He needs to start working a bit harder on his game because mm. he can't just rely on natural talent. So then, then he develops an understanding of I need to work hard. So 
the other way is where they just catch the ball, they run and score. They don't they don't have to work no. on their game and they don't have to do anything. So well, then they get to a level where he is competitive and he does, they don't know what to do no, they because they never had to do it. never faced adversity. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's easy to come up against a really good team that have never lost. You go, well, we're a good side. If we can just get up, if we can get some points up and get up in front of them early, watch them crumble because they've never experienced before. They've never faced it. They've never been in that experience. I see it at the Olympic Games at times. But the one, the number one thing we must make sure that we are doing, particularly at schoolboy and junior rugby, is enjoyment. It is coming up to 14 minutes away from two. Love you to be part of the conversation. Steve Devine with us for another five or six minutes as part of the rugby run here on SENZ. Telephone numbers 0800 150 You can text us here on 8833. Just want to acknowledge Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. And of course, Bunnings. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Okay, it is 10 minutes away from 2 o'clock. This is the Rugby Run. Mark Watson alongside of me, Steve Devine. Uh, Steve, let's look at next weekend's round of Super Rugby. Everybody's back on deck. Yep, so all the teams know buys next week. Everyone's back into it. Starts on uh, Friday night with the Hurricanes taking on the Brumbies in Wellington. That should be a good game. That'll be an absolute cracker. That's uh, that one. So the Hurricanes have got a bit of a tough finishing to uh, the round, so this is one of their bigger matches. So they... uh, they probably need to. They need to get up there, but I imagine the Brumbies will be at full strength, and um, the Canes will be needing to get up there for sure. It'll all start up front. The Canes, if the Canes work on going forward first of all, rather than just throwing around willy nilly. If they work on going forward first, they they tend to go a okay. whole lot better. Big question: Can the Highlanders beat the Waratahs in Sydney? Uh, I, I think they can. They'll have Smith back. Um, possibly Fakatava back as well, which helps um, the Waratahs. They they didn't offer a lot last night. I think they are a, you know, they had a bought on a young, you know, nineteen year old number ten. They had a twenty year old on the wing. You know, they they they're in a rebuilding phase. They, they they've got some players there, but you know, they didn't they didn't offer a lot. They're young. Okay, let's have a look at this one because I think this is going to be a hell of a game, and the Blues are going to need to be at their best to beat the Drua in Fiji. Don't underestimate this one. I'm very nervous about this game. Me too. Um, I'm very nervous. Ugh, they're not an easy team. You have to start well and you have to start really but well. You just surely play them up front. Don't play the expansive game. They're, Don't buy into what they want you to play. Just beat them up through the middle. Pick and go, surely. They're, they're pretty good up front, but the Jura, like last night, their first try, they went like um, near on 20 phases from inside their own half and they just plugged away. They looked after their ball and they scored a try. You know, they, they're, they're a good team. And you put them at home, they go on arm and a leg, and um, you're gonna. The Blues are gonna have to blow it out early. Like they're gonna have to be three tries up in in inside 20, 25 minutes. Okay, Moana Pacifica. I think they're gonna get their first when they're gonna take on yep. the Rebels at Mount Smart. I picked this two weeks ago. That this will be the one that they'll be brewing for. The Rebels are off a good win. They'll be riding high. Um, Moana coming off a bye. They'll be fresh. They have some people. They have some people back in the team. This is this is their chance. This is the game. If they don't win this one, they might go nude for the season. Okay, Reds Force, we don't care, so let's focus on the Chiefs and the Crusaders. This is very much the game of the round. Well, is it? Yeah, it is the game of the round. Can the Crusaders beat the Chiefs? Will we see a statement from the Crusaders team to say, hey, we're still a team to beat? I think based on what I've seen over the weekend, um, the Crusaders struggled a little bit still. They still haven't tried found their rhythm. Uh, but in saying that, they're getting some fodder back. They're getting some players back into the mix from injuries. So, but the Chiefs are rolling on a high. Everything they touch right now, 
everything they touch right now is turning to gold. You know, they've got that energy. They've got that um, excitement had, factor. Had a chance to rest a few players on Friday. Yeah, and now and they'll be back to their best. But I tell you what. I tell you what, if anyone's going to do it, eh? It's going to be the Crusaders. That's what I'm saying. Anybody's going to do it, it will be the Crusaders. They do know how to get up, and they're very, very clever, aren't they, in terms of being able to learn from their mistakes and build a strategy on how best to beat them. We saw that last year in that final where there was a lot of discussion um, in and around that. Everyone thought the Blues were, and they'd done their homework about eight weeks earlier and figured this Blues team out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you allow the Crusaders to play the way, the way they want to play, they're in for a, a tough night. But uh, look at Damien McKenzie in uh, Moonga. Eh? We're gonna we're gonna get a good look at the future right here in the next what's going to probably unravel over yeah. the next three three months or so. Sean Stevenson again. Um, the Crusaders will just try and out mongrel the Chiefs up front, but you know the Chiefs are a pretty good pack now, and uh, it's going to be interesting whether they can get on top or not. And uh, look for Damien McKenzie if he can get on the front foot. You know, or the 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 Chiefs pack can slow the Crusaders packs and get Mwanga on the back foot. I think I think the Chiefs will have a good day. Reds force. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, <laughs> I, the Reds will be too good. I think yeah. the Reds will be too good, too clinical, yeah. and you know they'll be playing for Brad Thorne, who's um, you know only a few games left in the season. So yeah, I hope I hope the Reds can get up for for Brad. All right, Steve Devine, it's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure as always to have you in studio. I guess we'll talk uh, the Blues Brothers Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we'll talk all things uh, Blues rugby. We sort of ticked a, f- a bit of that off today. but um, Well, it was the game that was freshest in everybody's mind. I mean, a day is a long time in sports news. Two days is a long time too. And look, had it been the Crusaders last night or the Highlanders last night, then, well, not so much the Highlanders, the Chiefs, then that probably would have been the focus in the first 20 minutes as well. Yeah. So, yeah, Blues Brothers, Wednesday night, 7.30. Yep. Nope. Looking forward to it already. It is coming up to four and a half minutes away from two o'clock. After two o'clock, we open it up for a more regular sports show. We'll focus a little bit on English Premier League football. Going to catch up with a guy, John O'Riddler, who's about to embark on a 100-kilometre individual sea swim from Great Barrier Island to Narrow Neck Beach in Auckland. Remarkable. That coming up after two.